This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a podcast from Joy's jazz show, Bent Notes. Tune in live each Sunday night at joy.org.au. My guest on Bent Notes is a Melbourne singer and songwriter who had her first onstage experience singing when nine years of age, but moved into a career away from music before starting her musical career later in life. It is my pleasure to bid a very warm welcome right here to the Bent Notes studio at the Victorian Pride Centre, to Christine Mineta. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me, David. It's lovely to have you here in studio. Now, nine years of age for your first performance on stage. What was that performance and what impact did that experience have on you? Uh, I was selected from my primary school to sing a song at the Coburg Town Hall and it was an awards night. Oh, right. I thought that was pretty special to be doing that. Yeah, that was the first experience and I think Got the bug a bit then. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to come off stage or did you want to stay there? I wanted to stay there. It wasn't long enough. (laughs) (laughs) And did your musical interest continue through the rest of your schooling? It did. Through high school, I was always playing the lead in school productions. I was encouraged by my teacher, my music teacher, to pursue it. She believed that I had something to offer, but unfortunately at the end of My high school, different path was chosen by myself and others in my life. Yeah, so I went away from music. Moved into a non-musical career path. Why did that particular career path draw your interest at that time? Well, I I loved mathematics. (laughs) Oh, okay. Maybe it was a part of the music and the mathematics, yeah. So I I thought, well, at least if I can't do music, I want to do something that involved mathematics and physics and things. So psychoacoustics. Oh, that was later. That was later. That was later. That was, I became involved in that as as another career after my teaching career in terms of helping young people who had brain processing problems. So one of my children had some problems and I had him treated and then I was asked to train in psychoacoustics and then opened my own practice. Oh, wow. Yeah. I saw that word and I thought, I've never heard of that before. It's, I must find out what it is. Oh, it's the use of sound to stimulate neural neural function and fire up new networks. Yeah, oh, but sound, wow. sound that doesn't quite sound right. <laughs> oh. oh, that's interesting. So it's, it's not the type of sound that a... Uh, jazz muso on stage improvising might uh, work with? Well, similar, but not quite. Uh, It has filtration, it has bursting, it has instruments moving around, so you actually hear the violin in one ear and then might hear it somewhere else. And it's delivered through what's called bone conduction, so the vibration of the skull, because sound is a vibration. I I had a... uh, it's not a headset, it, it's, it was a, a radio really because it had an AM, FM radio in it, but it was called a bone phone and you hung it around your neck mm-hmm. and it was supposed to do exactly the same thing in terms of bone conduction to hear everything. The only thing was it had speakers that put sound everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Well, it sounds like a very interesting area to work in. 
Yes, it was. I, I ran my practice for about 15 years. I actually had to close it because I got burnt out. I was working seven days a week and I decided to take a sabbatical just to take a year off and decided, well, I might investigate doing some music, something that I've always wanted to do, my dream, and I never went back. So, yeah. Was that dream in your mind throughout your non-musical career to uh, get there sometime? Always, always. I was always wanting to buy a piano. I was always wanting to sing. I wanted to get lessons. I, I wanted to do it the right way, the proper way. But mm, life just wasn't dealt to me that way. And others had higher, ex- well, not higher, different expectations, you know, being a mum and three kids and the house. And, and there's a lot to do there. There is a lot to do there. <laughs> there is indeed. <laughs> Once you decided that it was time to follow your dream, what was your first step? I joined a choir and it was a choir uh, run by Wendy Stapleton. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she was my musical director. She was beautiful, absolutely just encouraging and gave me all the information I needed to make myself successful and and gave me opportunity too to be doing it on my own, not just within the choir. And that's the big thing. It's that opportunity, isn't it? Yes, it it was that opportunity. Like she asked me to do solos. She said, you can do it. You can get up front on your own. What was your sense when she said to you, Christine, here's a solo for you. Were you all, all up there on it or were you a little bit apprehensive? I was holding the microphone and it was shaking while I was singing. So <laughs> I'm not sure how upfront I was, but yeah, it was quite daunting and just the stress. But I kept telling myself, this is what you want to do. So if you're going to have to do this, then this is what you're going to have to go through. And you stayed with it. I did. I then went to a program run by her husband, Paul Norton, where I went in front of a band for the first time. It was like a weekend warriors type thing. Oh, let's and hear a little more about that in a moment. Yeah. I would like to hear some of your music. And I reckon the piece we might start with is a piece called Who Are The People? My son, who was listening to trap music all the time, um, I actually asked him to help co-produce this a little bit. Yeah, so shout out to Daniel Ribeiro, music producer. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I think he deserves some applause for that. Well done, Daniel. (laughs) And it's about being in a hospital waiting room while one of your children is inside and things are happening and you just can't get to them because there's all these people around you who are deciding what's going to happen. From Christine Minetta's debut album, One Woman, One Day, a piece called Who Are The People? My guest on Bent Notes is Melbourne-based singer and songwriter Christine Minetta. You are listening to Joy 94.9. Walking through the wasteland of dreams Half a garden world of extremes World of empty faces, empty eyes Taking my one, who should I despise? Who are the people who determine our lives? You are listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Find more podcasts and show blogs at joy.org.au. You are listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9, where my guest is Melbourne-based singer and songwriter Christine Minetta. Christine, the song that we've just heard, 
being Who Are The People. When you listen through that song, as you do to the other songs on the album that you've composed, they're all very direct messages to me as a listener. Obviously all come from personal experience. They, they have. Every single song that was written on the album, the, the poems of my life, they are stories that I have told as poetry and then put them to music. Each song also has a bit of a theme to it, like the whole album is a bit of a rising above adversity type of sense to it. That's certainly the message I get. And it also suggests to me that they're also coming from a, a state of significant impact to yourself, a very deep meaning to them. Yeah, they were all quite emotional. Some of them were a little bit more uh, uh, fun. There were a couple of fun songs in there. But the majority of the songs came from a place where I was telling the story of what had happened and how it impacted on me at the beginning, but then what I did to get over the impact. So I also wanted to sort of show that it wasn't just doom and gloom, that there is a celebration at the end as well. Was it difficult to write the songs from such a, a deep emotional starting point? I actually found it, it was easier just to write from with emotion, to actually write what you're thinking and what you want to say rather than finding rhyming words or interesting phrases. I, it, was, it was just what I was feeling and it was the voice in my head that, I don't know, I just have voices. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but there's a voice in your head that you can hear and it says things. So I would write, you know, in the car, just write something down or quickly on my phone record something as it came to me. Good way to do it. Make those notes as you, you think of them rather than uh, wake up in the middle of the night, think, oh, that's a good idea, and go to sleep and forget it completely. No, I have a book next to my bed. Oh, so I just write. Were these the first batch of songs that you'd written, the ones on this particular album? Yeah, they are the first eight songs I have written in my life. I haven't not included anything I've written, and I've since written a couple more songs, which I'm hoping to record this year. But yeah, as they come out, they go on to the album. <laughs> oh, superb. The songs that you've written then for this album and the new songs that you're writing, which I'm assuming will be on the next album, they've all come from experience, yes. your, your personal experience. And then you've got some amazing musicians to back you up on the album. I have. I was so blessed to have these gentlemen play on my album, in particular Adam Rudiger, who was on piano but also co-produced the album and it pretty much held my hand and put up with me and all the things I didn't know and he was he's such a beautiful man and educator and really in, in, encouraged me and very patient <laughs> and and a superb musician absolutely as we hear on the album awesome. you've got Richard Rose playing the bass yes from the black jesus experience yeah adam donaldson <laughs> drums and percussion yes and Adam Simmons on the sax. Yes, he, Adam was great. He came in afterwards and just did the sax, every sax, soprano, tenor, alto, alto, baritone. He just listened to what was happening and he just went in there. It was so so easy from that and, perspective. And what is put in has just suited perfectly. Yes, he, he just he, he got it. 
and I think the musicians that I worked with, they, 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 they spoke my language even though I wasn't using the musical language that they were used to um, using themselves. So I was very blessed, thank you. You were indeed. <laughs> great musicians, a great sound on the album. But you, that's not the only work you've done musically, is it? You, you've had a couple of other projects. I, I hear there was one called Love Me or Leave Me, a tribute to Nina Simone. <laughs> Does that tell me that Nina Simone may have played a part in your musical upbringing? Um, absolutely. When I first um, went into doing some blues and, and, and investigating the jazz, I was looking for an artist where I didn't have to actually change the key of the song and I could sing along with this artist. I kept finding Nina Simone. Oh, I can, that's a key I can sing in, Nina Simone, that's a key. I was at a festival one year doing my jazz show and realised I had 15 of the 20 songs I were, was performing were from Nina Simone <laughs> and I said, I could just do a tribute. And she, I went into reading about her, her autobiography, and found that she was... She, she was like this feisty, feisty woman who she went for what she wanted as well. And I thought, oh, I feel sort of like she's like on my team. And, and, and I was, yeah, just drawn to her and I read her autobiography and I include that in the show that I do. So it's not just her music. I also tell her story. That makes a show so interesting when you actually hear the story of the artist we're yeah, tributing and, to. Yeah, and that's what's come back to me too. People love the stories. Mm. The title of the album is One Woman, One Day. We're going to have a listen to that piece now. Where did that song come from? What is it telling us? That's actually my whole life. It's. I thought, well, I'm going to write a song and it's about me. And it talks about when I was born and when I went to uni and but then what happened when you know, I became a single mum, what I had to endure and go through. It was a very difficult time having three children and, and just doing it on your own. The mistakes that maybe I made and choices that I maybe shouldn't have made but then in the end it was the music and the singing that was my, my pill to get me through and to bring joy and happiness to me. And when I was happy, my kids were happy. A good state to be in. Yes, absolutely. For more information about Christine Minetta and her album One Woman, One Song, including Christine's gig guide, go to christineminetta.com. And I should say her album is called One Woman, One Day, not One Woman, One Song. There's more than one song there. <laughs> Christine, it has been a real pleasure to chat with you here tonight on Bent Notes hearing about your career and this magnificent debut album. Looking forward to number two when it arrives. Thank you for taking the time tonight to join us here in studio. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Paul. Our very best wishes for a long and enjoyable experience for you in the live music scene here in Australia. My guest on Bent Notes has been Melbourne-based singer and songwriter Christine Manetta. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Here is One Woman, One Day. One Woman, One Day. One woman, one woman, one woman, one woman, one woman. You've been listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Join us live each Sunday night on Joy ninety four point nine. 
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.